So y'all, good morning. Can you hear me? I can't tell if you can hear me or not. Yeah, okay, good. So um, my name is Ed Griffin Hagen. I'm one of the, I feel like the Pope. We'll swing some incense down. But, um, uh, my name is Ed Griffin Hagen. I'm one of the pastors on our staff here at Church on the Trail. I'm super thankful that, uh, that y'all are here. Um, lots of places you could be, but what a beautiful, really beautiful day. And Terry Severson has a really rocking hat on. Um, anyway, I'm thankful that you're here. Lots of places that you could be. I want to give you two quick things. I want to remind you again, and James did it before the worship that we're having lunch here. Say this, but lunch is on us. So stay, zombie pig barbecue. I think that's what it is. Where's Lorna? Yes, zombie pig barbecue. Um, so stay, stay and eat, have lunch with us. Number one. Number two is I just want to remind everybody of the, there's a student ministry event next Saturday at six o'clock. Going to watch a movie out here on the land, cook s'mores around the fire pit and just have a good time of fellowship next. Did I say Sunday? Next Saturday at six o'clock. So, you know, we're, we're jumping back into the book of Acts we jumped out late in August and felt really led by the Holy Spirit to, to talk about prayer. And we dove into prayer for about six weeks or so, five or six weeks. And we feel led to jump back out of that, get back into the book of Acts. We're walking through Acts verse by verse. That's the way we do things around here. As we, we preach through, generally, we preach through books of the Bible and we go through it verse by verse and we discuss it and we just kind of dive in. The series that we were in in Acts is was called uh, or is called the road less traveled, and it's Acts 15, part of 15, 16, 17, and 18. And so we're we're going to be in Acts 16 today. I want to give you some context for the message today, and then kind of quickly recap where we were uh, at the end of August when we jumped out of Acts into that series on prayer. So Paul and his guys. I'm gonna draw a map with my fingers. Paul and his guys were coming across a region called uh, Galatia, kind of north of the Med. And they were coming across from east to west across Galatia. And then they turned north and they were in Asia and they, they shot a, a straight shot across the northern part of Asia. Um, and they, they ended up in a place called Troas. Troas is a city on the, on the uh, eastern uh, shore of the Aegean Sea, and they hopped on a boat in Troas, and they sailed across the Aegean, and they landed in a place called Neapolis, which is the port city for the area called Philippi. And shortly before, uh, excuse me, shortly after they got there, they uh, they found these women. They called them God fears. These women who were going down to the river to pray every Sabbath. And Paul, and it was Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. And uh, one of those women, those women, her name was Lydia. Lydia was a, was a, they called her a dealer in purple, purple cloths. And we know, we know that Lydia was wealthy. And purple dye was crazy expensive. So we know that Lydia was a, she was a merchant and she was a, a wealthy, very, very astute business person. She's down at the riverbank when they're praying, and Lydia embraces the gospel. Lydia gets saved. Lydia is the first believer on the continent of Europe. What a heritage that would be 
if you could trace your roots all the way back to Lydia, who was the first believer on the continent of Europe. And then she hosted Paul and his guys. She hosted them in their house while, during their ministry in Philippi. And they were in Philippi for a while. So Acts 16, that kind of gets us up to Acts 16, or even through a few verses of 16. But that chapter in Acts, it highlights really three folks who became believers, three folks who became Christians through Paul's ministry in Philippi. Lydia, that first one that we just spoke about, and then a demon-possessed slave girl. starts. She starts in verse 16, which is actually where we're going to be today. And then a guy that's just known as the jailer there. And uh, think about it. You had this wealthy woman. You have a demon-possessed slave girl. And then you got this, this prison jailer guy. So the gospel is affecting every layer of society, which is what the gospel does. It's what it did then. It's what it has done throughout history. And it's what it does with you and I in 2022. The gospel, Jesus affects every layer of society. It's as today we start in verse 16 running through 24 of acts chapter 16 and what we're going to see y'all is scripture paints this this super descriptive image of the world's power and influence as it is set up against the power of jesus name we sung this morning leading up we sung about the name and so act so this this narrative in acts chapter 16 it paints this image of the power of the world versus the power of the name of, of Christ. And we're going to see the power of human sin. We're going to see the power of Jesus' name. And we're going to see the power of human greed and money. So I want us to start in verse, your worship. As we were going to the place of prayer, we, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they called them to the magistrates. They said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that aren't lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd then joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So, y'all, the first thing we, we're going to see here is the power of human sin. And we see this in three, three persons or three, three spirits. Look at verse 16 and 17 again. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and us crying out. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So you got Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, and they're going down to this place of prayer, the Bible says. They're going down to the river where those women met to pray every day. Scripture says that, that a slave girl, your translation, person of the first spirit that we see. 
the complete Jewish Bible, which is a great translation, y'all, it says that she had a snake spirit. The Young's literal translation says a spirit of python. So it's interesting, y'all, the maybe some Greek, I'm giving you fixing to give you a little more Greek. But the Greek says pneuma puthon. Pneuma is spirit or breath or wind. So it's literal and puthon is literally the spirit of the snake. And we get the word python from that. And in the Greek, it is the name that is given to the mythological serpent that lived at Pytho beneath Mount Parnassus and guarded the Delphic Oracle. So the name then became the surname for Apollo, and Apollo was the god of divination in Greek mythology. And so this young slave girl is said to have the voice. Now, let me not say that. She's said to have the spirit of Puthon speaking the voice, the oracle of the god Apollo. Is that making sense? Is that too much? Okay. Scripture says this girl was demon-possessed. All this Greek stuff, at the end of the day, this girl was demon-possessed. Possessed by an evil spirit that gave her the power of fortune-telling. And as a result, the people went to her for hope. And they went to her that their hope that their desires would, would be fulfilled, that their futures would be good, that their confidence would be restored, that, that they would amass fortunes, that lost items would be found, that their past would be unraveled, and that mysteries would be solved for them. The point that I want you to see, though, is that the power of sin to enslave and bind a person in the dark world of divination, of fortune-telling, of witchcraft, of black magic, of voodoo, of sorcery, of astrology, y'all, that stuff, that spiritual battle stuff, that is for real. That's not just ho made up hocus pocus stuff. There is a battle waging. And it's been waging for a long time. Every single false approach to truth have a common source. And that common source is this dark world of evil spirits. Spirits that cause people to put their trust in in things like fortune tellers, in things like soothsayers, in palm readers and seances and, and Ouija boards and astrology and zodiac garbage. I find it nuts that people can be so quick to put their trust in those kind of things rather than the God who created and breathed, spoke everything into existence, breathed life into me and you. Just how and see and people be. The dark world of evil spirits is dark and it's evil and spiritual warfare. It's 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 those it's those those evil spirits that that cause people to trust those kind of things instead of trusting God keeps people away from his word, keeps people away from his promises, blinds people to the reality of fear, separates you and I from grace, from his grace, the grace of the only living and true God, the sovereign majesty of the universe, the only sovereign spirit who can truly heal and save us. End of the day, y'all, the power of sin is strong, and it is very strong 
in in this this world of evil spirits. Book of Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. God is setting up Israel. They've come uh, out of slavery in Egypt. Moses goes up on the mountain, leading leading uh, the nation of Israel, the Hebrews, a few million of them through the desert, God is setting them up to possess the land that he had promised them. And he's teaching them through Moses how to act, what to do. He's setting them up for success. And in Deuteronomy chapter 18, he addresses some of this voodoo crazy stuff that other nations buy into. Verse 10 of Deuteronomy 18, I'll read you a couple of verses. It says, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or inter interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead for whoever does these. Listen, this is strong for whoever does these things is an the Lord. Your God is driving them out before you, you. His children, you, his children today, me, miners, but as for you. The Lord, your God, has not allowed you to do this. So, y'all, you got this girl, this slave girl, demon-possessed. And then we see these men that owned her. We see this they're, they're possessed by the spirit of greed and materialism. So this young girl was a slave exploited by men to make money. This slave girl is exploited by men to make money. They used her for her fortune-telling ability to prey upon the needs of find hope they want to find hope in something self-esteem direction the bible says that her spirit of divination brought her owners much gain much gain not a little gain but much gain and y'all it often happens that that people take advantage of other people many times the strong and the powerful will exploit the weak for their own ends whether it's prostitution or fortune telling or labor or false worship or sexual gratification, whatever it may be. The world has always witnessed white slavery and black slavery and child slavery and hordes of other kinds of sex trafficking. Humongous issue today, y'all. Huge issue today. Whatever the form, the purpose is always the same. It is to satisfy either their desires and their urges or to fill up their pockets with money. And in this passage, it's all about the money. It's all about the greed. It's all about the materialism. Bible says much gain. She brought them much gain. The dark world of greed and, and materialism is the world of evil spirits, evil spirits of selfishness, of uh, uh, this, this evil spirit of greed. It uses and misuses and exploits others for their own gain. And so then we see this also this slave girl, she's got this this spirit of deception in her because the testimony of the evil spirit, it did have some truth in it because Paul and the others were, in fact, servants of the most high God. But the testimony, the words of this spirit also were false. We see this at the end of verse 17. And you, you look in your worship guide, the end of verse 17, it reads the way of salvation. It reads the way, probably in your translation. But the Greek actually reads a 
way of salvation. Well, there's a big difference between V and A. The Spirit is really proclaiming that, that Paul is preaching only one of many ways to reach God. Does that sound like today? There's many paths to heaven. There's many paths to salvation. The world that we live in. And so, yes, the Spirit did speak a little truth because these guys were servants of the Most High God. But in subtle little ways, falsehoods are injected in there. Y'all, it's been the same for two or 3,000 years. So this testimony, while partly true, is absolutely unacceptable. It's, it's a false witness and it is deceptive. The Spirit wasn't confessing from the heart or the will to follow Jesus. Absolutely not. The Spirit hadn't been born again. And the only, the only confession that is acceptable is a deliberate decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. The only way. He says he is the way. He is the only way. No matter what the Discovery Channel tells you, no matter what the History Channel, no matter whatever you're watching on the TV or streaming on the web, he is the only way. So the first point, y'all, we see again is the power of sin. And sin is so powerful that it can enslave a person and overwhelm a person in the dark world of fortune telling and the occult. Greed and materialism, deception, false witness. So the power of human sin. Now the second thing we see says, and this she kept doing, this, this demon-possessed slave girl. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So this girl, she kept doing it day after day. This barrage of false witness, it went on every single day, every time they would go down to the river to pray. And so she followed Paul and the guys every day. Finally, Paul had had, 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 had enough. Bible says he became deeply annoyed, and the word that is used there means to be angry or to be worked up or to be deeply troubled. He was deeply troubled over this girl being enslaved by sin, over her being used by these greedy and lustful men, over the false witness of the Lord's name and the mockery and the ridicule of, of, of Paul and Silas and Timothy and, and, their, and their witness. So Paul calls upon the mighty name of Jesus and he whips around and he speaks to the spirit and she's healed. And he addressed the evil spirit within her. The power she had was not from her. It was from the evil spirit. It was the evil spirit that was the problem, not the girl. So Paul addressed the evil spirit. Paul called upon the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the power to cast out the evil it was of Christ. It was not of Paul. It was, it was of Christ. So this, this enslaved girl was immediately and completely delivered. Don't you know that when he heals you, he heals you completely. When he saves you, he saves you completely. You're not half saved. You're not half healed. This girl's chains were broken. The shackles that were all over her life are just broken and removed. Because Bible says it was that very same hour that the evil spirit came out. So we see the power of the name of Jesus. And we're going to get back to that in just a second. But in the next several verses, we, we see the power of money and greed. And make no mistakes. Zero mistakes. Money 
and, and greed are powerful. They're powerful influences. They always have been and they always will be. Money and greed caused an outcry and an opposition to the gospel in Acts 16. Money and greed caused an outcry against the gospel in 2022. In this case, why is it? Because that evil spirit comes out, those guys lost their prophet center. The prophet center had been delivered by the power of the mighty name of Christ. And they were mad. And they were frustrated. And they grabbed Paul and Silas and they drug them before the powers that be. Look at verse 19. It says, but when our owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them in the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them in, they said, these men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that aren't lawful for us as Romans to, to accept or, or to practice. And then what happened? The crowd jumps in. The crowd that's out there. The crowd jumps in, starts attacking them. They tore off the clothes off of Paul and Silas, gave, gave them orders to beat them up with rods. And when they had inflicted, the Bible says, many blows, they threw them into prison in order to jailer to keep them safely. Jailer receives the order and he put them in the inner prison. We'll get to that in a second. And he fastened up their feet in chains in the stocks. So money and greed, the root of the false charges that get hurled on Paul and Silas. The preachers were accused of being dangerous. Are preachers accused of being dangerous today? Absolutely no doubt about it. it says they were disturbing the city. They were subverting Roman law and order. They were teaching different customs and carrying on illegal religious activities. We jumped back into worship about four weeks after the country shut down. I guess that was two years ago. Do you have any idea how many nasty, threatening phone calls, text messages, and voicemails I got? Churches get hammered. Are you crazy for getting back to church that fast? And then over here you had the people say, well, we should have got back three weeks ago. Get hammered. We're doing dangerous and, and, and unlawful religious activities. Those same charges that were thrown out a couple thousand years ago, they're thrown out to Christians today. Even in free democracies, y'all, where the rights of free speech are so loudly proclaimed, those same charges are made by the world against me and you. They are. I wish it wasn't that way. But that's the reality of the world that we live in. Money and greed in Acts 16 caused corruption of public officials. The politicians gave in to the influential owners and to the public. Real justice was bypassed. Paul and Silas weren't allowed to answer for themselves. In fact, they weren't even allowed to speak. And if the court had been in genuine, true justice, the magistrates would have discovered that the two men were in fact Roman citizens and they would have discovered it way earlier. They did discover it, but it's in verses 37, 8, 9, and 40. And oh, by the way, they would have found out that that the two men had only helped this poor enslaved girl. And any open-minded and thinking person just would have seen the obvious and enormous contribution that this missions team 
could have had, could have made in helping to deliver people from sin and hopelessness and darkness. Y'all, in strengthening society through righteousness and through justice, Christ and the body of Christ has a tremendous impact on culture and society for righteousness and for justice and for good. Don't, don't miss that. But the politicians and the officials and the rulers, they weren't open-minded and they weren't honest. They allowed themselves to be influenced and guided by their own selfishness and their own, their own self-centered purpose. They gave in to the money and the greed of influential people and the cry of the deceived populace who were following the strong and the influential. You see that today? Absolutely you see that today. Money and greed cause shameful, unjust, and evil treatment. 2,000 years ago. Does money and greed cause shameful and unjust and evil treatment today? Say it absolutely does. Paul and Silas were great servants of the Lord. They had girl, they get their clothes ripped off and senseless with rods. Over and over and over, they're thrown in jail. And really, they're thrown into a dark, nasty, dirty, rat-infested dungeon. In fact, the Bible says they're thrown into the inner prison, which is really like solitary confinement today. And oh, by the way, they had their, their ankles shackled up. Well, here's the point. These servants were treated like this because of some men who were totally consumed and deceived with the dark spirit of money and greed. And that dark spirit does have power, great power. But God's power is even greater than that. First John chapter four, carve this verse in your mind. He who is in you if you are a Christ follower, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do you know how much comfort there is in that? How much confidence there can be in that? How much we cannot be ashamed of the gospel in a, in a, in a pretty dark world when we know that he who is living inside of me as a Christ follower is way bigger and greater than he who is in the world. And the huge tragedy of so many people in the world is they put selfishness and greed and money in front of people. They put selfishness and greed and their self-centeredness in front of relationships with people. And it's because of selfishness that so many influential, powerful people attack Christians and atta attack believers. But Jesus changes lives. If he really walked out of the grave alive, that is a game changer. And he changes lives and he transforms the immoral into the moral. He changes the unjust into the just. He changes the dishonest into the honest. He changes the prideful to the humble, the powerful to the servant, the selfish and wealthy to the benevolent. He changes us. And it is sure enough a real problem that so many influential, wealthy and powerful folks are so unwilling to be servants who sacrifice. Sacrifice, maybe sacrifice all for those who are in need. 
many are, are unwilling to truly sacrifice themselves and their money to the needs of the desperate in the world. They oppose anything that has anything to do with the sacrifice of their selfishness. Now, sometimes they'll help, they'll give, they'll help enough to somehow ease their own consciences. And they'll raise their hand up, say, look how much I gave. Look at me, I fed the hungry. Look, look at me, look at me, look at me. But they're not going to give sacrificially. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love more. It's not giving up something you don't care about. That ain't no sacrifice. If I'm sacrificing, I'm giving something up, something that I care about. But I'm giving it up for something that I care more about. And people who are attached to money, people who just love money and are greedy, they have a, they struggle mightily with that thought. And so, yeah, this passage is about, in Acts 16, it is about the power of sin and the power of greed and the power of, of, well, of money, of, of the love of money. But at the core, this passage is about the power of the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't say in the name of Moses. Paul didn't say in the name of David. Paul didn't say in the name of Saul of Tarsus. No, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. The names are funny, man. People give a lot of thought when they're choosing a name for a new baby. Names are, are chosen for a bunch of different reasons. My oldest son, Zach, he was pretty yesterday. How many of y'all watch the show Home Improvement? Susan was pregnant with Zach. We're watching Home Improvement. It was like my favorite show. And the, one of the kids' name is Zachary Ty something. And at the end of the show, it said his name. And, and I looked and I said, how about that? How about that name? And so Susan was like, yeah, that's cool. So that's where he got his name from. Can y'all hear Rudy barking? Okay, he's about to drive me crazy. Rudy is a walk-on. Rudy got his name from the movie Rudy. Now, he's not one of my kids, you know, but names, like we, we, we come up with names and parents, generally, it's almost always the parents that decide on a name. But now with Mary and Joseph, they didn't pull out their little A to Z baby names book, no, to come up with a name. No, Jesus received his name from heaven. It was announced to them by angels and the name, this name given by the angels is crazy significant and powerful. The meaning of, of Jesus' name is Yahweh saves. And so his name reveals the reason why he came, and that is to save and deliver me and you from the penalty and the shackles of sin. The name is so powerful because he died on a cross and he rose again, and thereby he defeated and he crushed all of the, the powers of darkness. He said in the Gospels, when he's hanging on the cross, he said, it is finished. And then the text says he breathed his last. It is finished. Well, what was finished? The work he came to accomplish. Satan was defeated on that cross. Satan is still running around the world trying to eat me and you and our children. Like, I get it. That's what he's doing. But he's a defeated foe. He was not, he's not going to be defeated. He was defeated when Jesus died on the cross because Jesus said, it's done, it's over with. We win. You know how awesome you can walk through the day when you know in your mind that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world? You know how 
awesome it is to walk through the day and know that we win, no matter what life throws at us, no matter the trials and the tribulations and the struggles and the pain and the suffering, we win. Please, y'all, let that be in your mind and in your heart. And we win, and we know because Jesus said it's finished. It's finished. His work was accomplished, and it was done. And you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us when we play saving salvation. Because it rests solely on finished. Given to men by which we must be saved. No pain. And in our pluralistic culture, and what pluralism is, is this deception and this lie that there's many paths, and it's couched in ways that just sound so good. You know, the deceivee doesn't know that the deceivor is deceiving them, right? We don't know. It's the nature of the word. If we're being deceived, we don't know we're being deceived, because if we did, we wouldn't be deceived. I hope that made sense the way I said that. But it's the truth. And y'all, there's not multiple ways. There, there's not. But the world hurls that on us. And so that truth that it is the way that we are saved and healed and the shackles are broken by one name, and that is Jesus Christ. To the world, that's foolishness and it's unacceptable. But for me and you who profess to love him, we're called to witness to his saving power in a pretty jacked up world. The name of Jesus gives us the power and the authority to do that without fear and without compromise and with compassion. We're not beating folks up with scripture. We're not beating them upside the head, you know, but we do have the power and the authority to do it without compromise, even in the face of unbelievable opposition. The name of Jesus is powerful in prayer. It's not some formula to for us to use to, to just, just receive whatever it is that we want. It's power and authority to bring glory to the Father. We talked a couple of weeks ago about chapter 14 in John when he says he'll do whatever we ask in his name. And thank God it doesn't end there. It says so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So when Jesus said, you can ask anything in my name, it's not a prayer where we those words at the end and poof, we got a new car. It's a prayer that comes from a passionate love for him and our fervent desire to see his will done, not our will. And I believe that we're living in a day today, a day that calls for me and you to pray for the Holy Spirit to rest on the body of Christ, to rest on the church. The Holy Spirit comes and rests on us. There just will be a great harvest before he comes back. And the name of Jesus is completely powerful in healing. The very first healing miracle recorded in scripture right after the ascension. It was done by faith in the name of Jesus. Paul, excuse me, Peter said to the, the crippled beggar in Acts chapter 3. He said in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And not only did the man walk, but if you go back to chapter 3, that man's jumping up and down doing cartwheels, praising the Lord. In Acts chapter 4, when Jesus' guys were threatened by the authorities, they prayed for, for boldness and the boldness to speak. And then they prayed that they would perform miraculous signs and wonders and healing. Well, how? Acts chapter 4, verse 30 says, in the name of Jesus. And y'all, that was 2,000 years ago. 
but the name Jesus holds the same power today. The same power. Maybe you and I got need to need to kind of put that kind of passion and devotion and laser focus on him so that we can rise above our circumstances, rise above whatever's going on in our lives, and stay steadfast and unshakable in our faith and in our trust and in our undying love for him. And so y'all, we saw today in the that the name of Jesus is powerful in spiritual battle. As our world becomes more evil by the day. And the truth is, we could say that that's not new to our generation. It's a couple thousand years, Satan's been prowling around trying to devour and destroy us. But today, as our world becomes more evil by the day, we become more aware every day that we're really not up against human issues. We're up against the devil's schemes and the spiritual forces of darkness. And the only way to win spiritual battle is spiritual weapons. They're powerful. Spiritual weapons that have the divine power to destroy and erect strongholds, whatever the stronghold is. It's a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. And the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the word are so powerful, just powerful weapons when, when, they're, when they're wielded in humility and when they're wielded in the absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit. I'll leave you with this. Paul wrote in Philippians, when he wrote a letter back to where they were in Acts chapter 16, back to Philippi. This is in chapter 2 of Philippians. Paul said, and he's talking about when the second person of the Trinity becomes human. Starts in verse 7, he said, Jesus, he's talking about Jesus, says, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And because of that, Paul writes in verse 9, therefore, God's highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I would say to you today, y'all, if you've never made that confession, what a beautiful place to make that confession. I mean, what a beautiful place to, to in Paul's words, to, to bow the knee in humility. That offer is available 24-7, 365 days. And I would encourage you if, you, if you have not accepted that offer, that you would accept that offer today. And it's simple. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. You've got you to gotta own that. Doesn't mean you're an axe murderer. Doesn't mean that you killed a bunch of folks. Doesn't mean you robbed banks. But it does mean that we have a bent towards sin. We have a bent, an inclination towards bad that's what it means we were born in iniquity scripture would tell us 
And I got to admit that, that I'm a sinner. Because if I'm not a sinner, then I have no need of rescue. If I'm not a sinner, if I'm not drowning, I got no need for the little rescue buoy thing. So I got to admit that I'm a sinner. And my sin's going to get paid for. Your sin is getting paid for. You can pay for it or he can pay for it. And he already did. When he said it is finished on the cross, we talked about a minute ago. You know it was finished? The payment for your sin. What a crazy thought. Like, what a crazy thought. You get to trade your junk for his righteousness. We would all be fools if we didn't take that deal. That is the best deal ever. Scripture calls it the gospel, the good news. It is the greatest news that has ever existed. So you just got to say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I get it and I admit it and I own it. And Lord, I believe that your death on that cross, that it really was, that that work was finished and that death did really pay for my sin. And that you really walked dead into, excuse me, you were put dead into a tomb and you walked out alive. And because of that, you conquered death and I get to live with you forever. That's it. I encourage you today to do that. Let me pray and then we're going to wrap this up. Love you today. Lord, I know there's somebody listening next week to this on YouTube. Lord, this is all I want them to say. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that your death on the cross took care of my sin. And I believe that you walked out of a grave alive. Lord, save me. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you one more thing, y'all. He's never said no to someone. Never. You cry out to be saved, he will save you. You cry out to be healed, he will heal you. And he will heal you completely. The shackle of that sin is gone. It's just gone. And you cannot do it in your own power. I cannot do it in my own power. That's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. And that's the deception the deceiver wants you to buy that you can handle it, but you can't, and I can. Y'all, we're about to remember this. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper together. And so in communion together, what I'd like to do, worship team, as they, they're going to play a little worship song for us as we do this. And I want this side, if y'all would come up to this table to get the elements. And on that side, if you'll go to that back table where Lynn Ornstein is back there and